1: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
2: All right. Welcome back, guys. EYL, episode 22. 22. Like That's crazy. Yeah, 22 weeks in, man. So once again, as we always, you know, we have to thank you guys for your support. It's been a hell of a journey, yeah. Um, and uh, we're only going to continue to grow, hopefully, yeah, God willing.
0: Yeah, man. And, and consistency is key. Like we're just going to keep putting out more content. The support has been amazing, and you know, the more you support, the more we're just going to keep putting it out. We're educating everybody, not just our people. It's for everybody. Everybody can take a lesson from.
2: That's a fact. That's a fact. So, all right. So the theme of the show is the financial plays behind sports and entertainment, but we do more than that. We do business. We do all kinds of stuff, finance related, but. It's still kind of sports and entertainment, right? So we spoke with, if you are a loyal listener, you know we, we interviewed Brandon Copeland a few weeks ago, right? Shout out to him. He's, a, he's an NFL player. He's really good. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, thank you. And he, um, he broke down a lot of stuff that people don't usually realize when it comes to NFL contracts and how players get paid and you know, things that we don't think about as fans just watching the game, right? right. So that was interesting to get him to you know, give us some game from that perspective. But today, we got the flip side, yeah. right? So, we have an NFL agent.
0: The guys who are making the deals.
2: <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. Got the, we got the NFL agent. So, um, I'll give a quick backstory: um, Chris Coy. And this, this came about literally today. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dang, Rich Paul came out today. It made sense. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's perfect timing. Yeah, it's perfect, absolute perfect timing. Exactly. So, Chris is going to tell his own story, but it's just a really inspiring um, story to hear. He's a very young man, 32 years old and has already been in the business for several years. He came into business in 2013, Um, so six years of experience in the business. Uh, Has worked with clients across the board for the last three years, I believe. Has had draft picks in the the second round, right? Yeah, NFL draft. NFL draft, yes. Has actually went to the draft this year, Um, so he's doing his thing. And he was independent. Now he's with a larger firm. Like I said, we'll tell you the whole backstory on it, but – I think it's going to be a really dope conversation because a lot of times people aspire to be athletes. Mm-hmm. but <laughs> I you wasn't know, that guy. <laughs> 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 I I, I, <laughs> as I always tell people, there's a lot of ways to make money in sports even if you can't dribble or if you can't run a 44-point th- seconds, whatever. Like You can be behind the scenes. So an agent is somebody that you could, you could be an agent for 50 years, yeah, 40 sure. years, right? No somebody told me once, owners are always going to outlive a player. Oh, every time. So it's the same thing with an agent or a business manager or an accountant or a financial advisor, right? Your career as a sports player might be three years or five years, but behind the scenes as a businessman or woman, you can do that for 40 years or 50 years. Yeah,
0: man. I, I remember growing up um, with the name David Falk in my mind. I'm like, David Falk? I never saw this guy's face, but I knew he represented Michael Jordan. Yeah. And after Michael Jordan retired, he still represented players. So it's like, yeah, that's absolutely 100% true. Nah, always going to outlive the, the player.
2: That's a fact. So – Chris, thank you. Thank you for coming, no man. Problem, Appreciate man. it. Man. This is
3: crazy how it all came about. But you said Brandon Copeland the opposite. So I would say I'm on his side. I'm a, I'm a player advocate. Okay. So that's I'm on the opposite side of the NFL team. So we yeah, had more so the team side. I'm negotiating on behalf of the player. Um, but I thank you guys for letting me come today. Uh, kind of crazy how it all came about. But. You know, I'm here, and I'm excited, and we can kind of get started. Yeah, We're yeah, yeah. we from the same hometown. Yeah, I was actually born in White Plains. Well, so basically this is what happened. I was supposed to be born in White Plains. I ended up being a medical emergency, getting born in Bahia, and came back to White Plains, where I lived there for the first six years of my life. Went to Calvary Baptist Church. I don't know if you guys have some little wild <laughs> white plains. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> needless Seattle, to right? say, yeah. So I moved there f- I moved out to Maryland, uh, where I grew up. Um,
2: what part of Maryland you grew
3: up? So I grew up in Columbia, Laurel, Maryland area, right in between that, D.C., Maryland kind of thing. Okay. Um, so kind of grew up out there. I thought I was going to be the best NFL player in the world. <laughs> I was a big – like I was telling him I was a Knicks fan, but then I saw this guy, Deion Sanders, and I was like, man, I want to be him. Fantastic. And that was my goal. And then I went into my ninth grade year, and I was the smallest kid in high school. I was the smallest kid in high school, but I was playing football. I didn't no matter. I walked in high school, four 4'11", 96 pounds. And I went to my first football practice when we got pads – and this guy earholed me. And you know what ear hole is. You literally get up and you're looking through your ear hole. And I was <laughs> like, Oh man, I still play. I still play. But I was like, Oh no. I don't know if I'm gonna be an agent anymore. I'm an NFL player anymore. I went home and tell my mom. I won't forget she was eating crabs and I was like, I'm gonna have an announcement, you know, do my research, like I'm gonna be an agent. And she's like and I literally walked in the house and stood up on a chair, like, Mom, I wanna be an agent, red mind thing. She's like, All right, whatever, get up and get dressed and, you know, get ready for dinner. So nothing think about it. Um, after that went to you know, I'm 18 years old, you know, starting to apply to college. You made
0: that announcement at, at 14.
3: For sure, 14 years old. Wow. I defined it that I – because I was always a committed person. Because at any point at that point, I was Deion Sanders. I was going to be an NFL player. Yeah. I didn't know I didn't have the athleticism. I can't chew gum and walk. I was telling you I <laughs> yeah, got kicked yeah, yeah. out the choir. Like, it was <laughs> that bad. But needless to say, it was a situation where it helped me to – you know, it was a transition in my life. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what I do as an agent now, is I help guys transition from different phases of their life. Whether they're going from college to the NFL, from a first contract to a second contract, mm-hmm. from a second contract to the third, or even out of the NFL. Um, so that's what I realized uh, at a very early age. Um, like I said, and you know, ended up going to Hemp University while I was there. Um, I had a number of guys get drafted, saw their agent process, and saw the agent business for what it was. Mm. And I called home to my mom. And I was like, Ma, I don't know if I want to be this agent thing. Like, these guys are really trying to attract these guys with money, cash, cars, girls, things that attract it. 20, 20, 21 real boy. And I was like, man, I'm not that person. That's not what I represent. So had a little mm, come to Jesus moment. Ended up, you know, so like, you know what? I'm going to go do some internships, intern for a number of guys. Um, and then here I am. So clearly I changed my mind over the course. Yeah. But it's later down in the story.
2: Nah, that's dope. So, all right. So first of all, shout out to DMV. <laughs> We're heavy in DMV. Yeah, oh, you man. went to UMBC. I the did go alumni, to UMBC. Alumni. Alumni. Like, we've had like five guests so far from Baltimore. So, um, we gotta make a trip out there, yeah. Maryland, shout out to Maryland. We're coming to Maryland this weekend. Oh, yeah, we're gonna do that. (laughs) Yeah, 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 we're gonna gonna come back and we're gonna do like a networking event. We're gonna do it. We got got some stuff planned for DMV, so shout out to DMV. So, all right, so can you tell us the process of somebody wants to become a sports agent, right? What? How do you become a sports agent? Do you have to go to law school? You have to have a degree. You have to pass a test. Like what do you yeah. have to do? Like
0: what are you studying in school? To so
3: do that? the NFL requires that you have a post-secondary degree. The NBA, I think, is just an undergrad. In um, baseball, I think you just have to have a client. If I'm not mistaken. Um, oh, yeah.
0: So, depending on the sport, that everything every, oh, okay.
3: everything is determined by a players' association. So if uh, you want to be an agent, you have to go to the NFLPA and go do your research on that process. So. What the NFL requires is you have a post-secondary degree. They don't really say what that post-secondary degree is. I knew I wanted to be an agent at an early age. A number talked to a lot of different agents. Um, was talking about their law degree, and a lot of them were saying, yeah, it's a great you know option for a fallback plan if I just want to be a lawyer, but it doesn't necessarily help me in this particular standardized contract. Um, the NFL is a standard. You know, there's 1,900 NFL players. There's are standardized contracts, so you're really no longer negotiating statistics than you are actual legal jargon. So I heard that and was like, cool. I'll just go get a master's in. Actually, at the time it was a master's in sports industry management for Georgetown, um, and they had a number of NFL PA advisors that worked there. And I was like, man, that's a good connection, and it made sense. So that's why I ended up doing. So it, the requirement for the NFL is undergrad and then post secondary, post secondary degree. Whether that be a law degree or anything in that class.
2: Okay. And then you but then you have to um so pass for the the eight, test, Oh right? yeah, I'm
3: sorry. That's just the qualifications in order right. to take the test. Right. And then there's a there's a test you take, um, and you take it over two days. Well not two days, the first day you go down there, they help you to kinda get of an the book to Washington DC. Okay. Mm. Um so that's where the NFL PA is. Um NFL Players Association is down on in down down in D C. Um, and while you're there, you go there the first day. It's kind of an open book. They try to kind of help you through it. But if you didn't know that stuff going in, you're not going to pass that exam the next day. Um, and the next day, it's a eight hour exam. And then a couple months later, they tell you whether or not you passed the exam.
2: So what's on? What's in the exam? Like what, what is?
3: understanding the contracts. Like Brandon was, saying, or Brandon, Brandon was saying that, you know, you're not always – you're never on a team. So you have to understand the in-betweens of those things. So, like, the practice squad, what their salaries are, what the benefits are, what the guy's going to make, what's a standardized contract look like, um, what's the base salary for rookies, um, all those kind of things. And in addition to that, it's other contract legal jargon, things that have gone on. The, and like, for example, in certain guys, you have escalators based on certain play times. You have to understand the intricacies of a contract and in addition to that, player benefits, because that's what you are as an agent. You're supposed to be a fiduciary responsibility for these players to be a player advocate for them. So that's what they try to jam into this one test. So
0: e- even like before Brandon had said that information, it was new to me. So. Your time at Georgetown, were there connections that you had that informed you about some of these things, or was there, like, literature that you actually had to research to find out?
3: So I had been reading the CBA since I told you I was 14. Oh, the collective bargaining agreement? Yeah, I'm sorry. I used the term jargon, I guess. But, yeah, the collective bargaining agreement, I had been reading that since I was 14. I was prepared for that test at 21. Oh, I wow. knew that, te- like, I literally felt like were, I got
2: You it. were reading Collective <laughs> Bargaining Agreement at 14? Yes.
3: I was reading literally. Spider-Man. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah, I mean, literally, like, Mom, I, mom. I, when I determine that I want to do something, I'm just focused on that one thing. And I literally was reading. I literally had printouts and contracts and reading different things. I will never forget. So as an agent, right, we don't, you, so like, for example, the players you sign, right, when you're first a new agent, you Google and you do things like that. You don't really have the relationships with scouts and things of that nature. One of my guys connected me with a scouting uh, guy uh, for the Green Bay Packers. He was – so this, that's a whole nother conversation. But they have their own scouting department, and I got talked to talk – I think I was a director of player personnel. And the first thing I asked him was, when you watch the NFL, like when you watch players, are you listening to Mel Kuyper or to Todd McShay? And I'm like – he's like, no, I'm, I'm going to call you back. He never <laughs> called me again because he does his own work. That's for the media. That's for the NFL. Like that's for us. That's not for other people. Like that was that that's not what they really care about. Like they're really focused on doing their own due diligence, doing their own scouting and that whole process of getting scouted and all that stuff. So that's that's where my career changed when I built relationships with scouts because up until that point I was signing guys that were great I like them and the individuals, but I didn't necessarily know who to sign at that point.
2: So, all right. So, for the average person, I may not be reading the collective bargaining <laughs> at 14 years old. Okay. Over, I mean, yeah. I, mean, yeah, they, I they was say. definitely skimming it for <laughs> sure. I
3: had no, I definitely was ready for that test because I remember writing a, like, yeah, thesis on that, like, not thesis, but like a report on it at like 21. And I was like, oh, yeah, I got this test. I'm ready for it.
2: So, say a kid in college or even out of college mm-hmm. um, has a four year degree because that's what you need, right? A four year degree. You have a four year degree and you want to be a sports agent. Mm-hmm. Do they have, okay they gotta so go to grad school too okay. you gotta go to grad school yes yeah. yeah. so
3: you got a post-secondary degree so, so.
0: i so, so could that person have a degree in like sports management yes
3: yeah, sports management so it, my degree is a master's in sports management but we took business classes in addition to that okay. and and it has you, you can have a degree
2: in anything that
3: the way that the rules are set up right now is that if you have a post-secondary degree in geography and anything you can sit for the agent in, in biology Bio- Doesn't it, matter. It, the rule state post secondary degree they don't say post secondary in specific. business All right. they don't say law they don't say an mba it says post secondary so where do
2: you get study material like how do you do they have like kaplan online study like how do you study for a test so like so
3: at the time there were some guys out there that were that's what their business were they were helping players to, or not helping agents or prospective agents to study for the exams cuz they're not necessarily they're pretty complex terms but um, i don't know if they're still out there now but the collective bargaining agreement you can google it's a PDF that comes right off the NFLPA website. It's not the most interesting read, but you know you can get to the points where it's like, oh, there are good things. There's like fun stuff to read, like salaries and how those work and base salaries. Um, and then you read about like po- like poison pill, which is something that Deion Sanders got put in his contract back in the day. So those kind of things are what's that? It's basically a pill that basically required. There's some where Deion Sanders, um, if he had played a certain amount of steps, they had to, they had to give him an option for his contract. But they got rid of that.
0: Which, which team game him that? The, the Dallas Wa- Cowboys at the,
3: end of the time. Oh, I, I thought it
0: was uh, that team from Washington. Washington
3: Redskins. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, it was the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> it was back in the 90s. 90s, yeah. Yeah, Eugene Parker, who was actually the, one of the first black agents out there to really be that guy, he was Eugene Parker's agent. and or, I mean, He was Deion Sanders' agent, and he had Rod Woodson. He had a number of guys, and he was kind of like the, the forefather guys. for our black agent in business, if that makes sense.
2: All right. All right. So, okay. So, I, so now we know how to become an agent, yes. right, technically speaking, as mm-hmm. far as getting the test. It's not really that difficult. I mean, it's, it's not easy to pass the test, I'm assuming, but it's not hard. to. You just got to take the test.
3: You have to take the test. But it's like it was – I hadn't been studying for a while, but I had – while I also took the Series 6 in 63. It was harder than that, and it was harder than I thought the 7 was going to be um, when I was up studying for that. So those are, those are pretty decent yeah. people fail. Like there's some lawyers that fail all the time. Yeah. Um, I think they, I think they had a pass rate this year of like 70%. So there are people that definitely fail. So I just don't want people to feel
2: like it's easy. Yeah. So,
3: no. Yeah. You, you had a, a, a background in finance though as well, right? So this is what happened. I got, I went to Hampton university, graduated in 2009, ended mm-hmm. up doing a two year program at Georgetown. The NFL had a lockout. They weren't certifying any new agents. So, I had a, a decent amount of student loans, and I went to kind to of keep them in deferment. So, I ended up going to school part time. Um, and while I was part time, I had a bunch of free time. But I was actually in a course where a former NFL player came in and said 78% of NFL players are broke or have financial issues, financial, like, and have finance. That's the thing that stood out to me. I was like, man. So, I ended up going to get a job in banking because I figured, hey, as a young agent, you know, I wanna learn about finance. I wanna learn about financial education and, and be able to help and understand my clients. Not necessarily from a standpoint of being a financial advisor, but at least being able to say, I can sit at the table and say, hey, this is how you build a budget. This is how you do this. And mm-hmm. you know, and th- some of those things I do for some of my clients, some of them I don't. Mm-hmm. But at least I know that I'm – at least I can tell you, hey, I know how finance works, and yeah. I can sit down with a financial advisor and then tell you, hey, listen, you might want to get away from that guy. Yeah,
0: you saw where you were headed and said, you know what, I'm going to take every – Step necessary to make sure I'm the best at what I'm For doing. For sure. And I I mean, sell your fate, Yeah,
3: no, nah, it's, it's, and, and it's crazy because I didn't, I didn't want to get a job in banking and I didn't really like, but that stable as a young agent, like, you know, my first year I had, I think I had one guy, he didn't even get into the NFL. Like, he was on like a super regional combine, which is like guys that aren't out of the NFL. So, like, my second year I had a couple guys. Um, and I, the crazy part is I quit that bank so many times and my manager brought me back because <laughs> I just knew, like, I had signed a draft class of five guys and I am like, oh, they're good. None of them got drafted. They both went undrafted. Three of them never even made any into the NFL. Mm. And then two played for a couple of years, but it wasn't enough to kind of really stand like, you know, get you to the point where you are you don't need to get a regular job. So it was a part-time situation.
2: All right. All right, so now we're going go to go into the next segment of, okay, now you got certified to be an agent. So now we want to know, all right, it's one thing to have you know, the certification, but now you actually have to get clients and, and become an agent, right? Yeah. So yeah. now we'll talk about the business of actually – Building your business. So, um, so now we can go oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's okay. Good. How I'm doing? All right, good? All right. So now we're going to talk about building the business, getting clients, and actually, you know, starting from the, the ground and how you actually go about doing it. Right. So you started your own your own firm, right? Yes. All right. How are we, we doing today?
3: I was 25. No, yeah, 25, going on 26.
2: All right. So you got your certificate, and as opposed to just going out and working for somebody, you w- you wanted to do your own thing at first. Yes. How did you? So, all right. So, can you talk about that? Like, how did you start the the firm?
3: Um. So I I was I always wanted to be kind of my own agent and work from my own side um, and learn. I felt like you learn a lot more being an independent an agent. Um. I said a lot of the big firms. I heard some stories with some of my guys, um, where basically they kind of got. know, put in this one hole and, you know, depending upon how who they signed and things of that nature. But they weren't given the same tools. So I always wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to start my own agency. Um, So I ended up, like I said, working in banking, that particular bank. Um, Shout out to PNC and Kariah South, my manager, she was amazing. Um, In that bank, I met my first client, I met my athlete advisor at the time, and in addition to that, my investor. I worked in a pretty wealthy neighborhood in Montgomery County in Maryland, Mm -hmm. um, and I literally Told every single body. That was my thing. That's my thing always. Like, I've been passionate. From 14, everyone I've ever met are like, man, like, he wants to be a sports agent. So, like, now people hit me up, like, yo, you're really doing what you said you wanted to do. Because yeah. that's everything I told everyone. And I think that's something that no matter what you want to do, you never know, you know, who you might meet and run into. And I wasn't one of those kids that wanted to do 17,000 things. So it's like, man, I could help this kid, but, you know, he's focused on so many things. I focused on one thing. It's like, hey, I want to be a sports agent. And I told every person in that bank, And a guy ended up taking me out to dinner, um, and we ended up just linking and really connecting. And he was like, man, I don't want any friends. But he said, you know, I really want to help you build your business. And it was literally a gift from God, bro. I can't, like, that's how I literally started my agency.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's powerful because, like, we preach a lot um, about mentorship and how important it is because you could have went into this situation not knowing anything, and, you know, you could have been discouraged by that your encounter with this person changed your life. But it
2: also speaks to the, the fact of um, a closed mouth doesn't get fed, right? for sure. So, y- blessings come your way when you open your mouth, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And you actually say what you want. A lot of times, people don't say what they want. Yeah. In business, and relationships, they kind of just hope that the person kind of catches the drift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The easiest way to get what you want is to say what you want and ask for it. They might say no. They might say yes, but at least you ask for it, right? For sure. You kind of beat around the bush and... You're scared to say something. You're just kind of hoping something falls out the sky. It's never going to happen. Yeah. So the fact that you was even vocal about it and putting that energy out there, you attracted it, I'm pretty sure, to you, yeah. right? You spoke, you
3: spoke some things into existence, and they appeared. Absolutely. I, it is. I literally talked to hundreds of people that came into the bank. You know, bank has, back then it had a lot of foot traffic into the bank, so literally people would come into the bank all the time. So I would talk to literally everybody. And where I was working at was, like I said, a wealthy neighborhood, and, you know, I've seen, you know, some guys that are making really good money, and it was like, man, you know, I really liked you. And a lot of guys said no, they're not interested, or it's just like, you know, it is what it is. But in addition to that, it's like having people in your corner that is willing to support you. Like my manager was, like, she knew I was getting my – she knew I was doing well. Or she knew I was talking to people about sports, but she looked at that as my connection to the people. And in addition to that, she also knew that I wanted to be an agent and then she knew that this was a stepping stone. So the people that are in positive in your life are also very important.
2: All right, so yeah. all right. So now you're an agent, you got your own company, you're up and running, right? Yes. How do you get clients? This is, this is stuff that's always been interesting to me, at least. Like, how do you get clients?
3: So social media is, you're always your friend. I mean, everyone is always on social media. So my first class, like I said, my first client literally walked into the bank. He had been kicked out of school. I helped him transfer, get into another school. Um, and he ended up playing in the NFL and still plays in the NFL to this day. You got him out when he was in college, You came in. So, yeah. Okay. But, I mean, I wasn't – so, as an agent, you can't pay for players. Like, you can't do anything. I made connections to help him to yeah. try to – I basically was mentoring him to, through his process because he had just got kicked out of the University of Maryland okay. and ended up transferring to the University of Delaware. Um, and I just, was, he was like my little brother. But I didn't, like, I knew that I was an agent. So I knew that I was a by-the-book rule. Like, I'm that guy. I'm mm-hmm. not going to do anything. Like, it's going to jeopardize me long term. Yeah. So, but I helped him. I helped him navigate through that process and helped his parents, and helped his mom. I literally actually met his mom because she was coming in to open up a business account. Mm. And we was just talking about football. She she's like, oh, I got a son. I want you to really meet him. And literally one day when the bank was closed and I, the drive through was open, but I still had to stay there to lock up. We sat in there by for an hour, hour and a half, and it was yeah. just like, man, this dude is gonna do. And I didn't know he was gonna be an NFL player at that time, right. but I just followed him throughout his career. And then when it was time for him to make his 80 decision, I was like, man, I've already built a strong relationship with this guy. You know, I'm gonna give him a shot. Yeah. However, he was like, man, you know, you don't have to have the necessary experience. So that's where a partnership situation happened. And then I ended up doing a partnership, but my company still did a, like, a, it was a, my, it's called skin in the game, right? Mm-hmm. So as an agent, and I'm not hoping I don't get too far ahead of myself. You're paying for the cost from the training. So the minute they declare from the NFL draft up until the NFL draft, you foot that whole bill. So
0: so what are some of the expenses? That, I mean, you're paying the for in?
3: these um, great training facilities mm-hmm. that are going to cost you $10,000, dollars 15000
2: Like IMG Academy.
3: IMG Academy is one. Um, Exos is one of the bigger ones. Um, there's one named uh, Param, uh, Performance Compound, ASPI. That's another one. Like, there's a number of we different facilities. You're like
0: talking 15000 for the week?
3: No, fifteen thousand dollars throughout that. Oh, okay. so okay. all right. So so it's an eight week process. So, so so you
2: get you get a client after football season is over, right? Mm-hmm. They commit to you. Mm-hmm. Now they're your responsibility for was it two months until the draft?
3: No, it's a so from January up until at that point May was the draft. Okay, so, so five months for five for months you
2: have to financially support them. Yes, you pay for their travel,
3: travel stipend, housing, rental car, training, re- training, food and that's pretty much it for the most part for some guys. Then there are guys that are going to get, you know, marketing and things of that nature. And some guys do marketing guarantees and marketing advances and things of that nature for guys. So it's a it that right now where our business stands right now in the age of business, a lot of kids say, "Hey, I got these three deals. Which one do I hey, that's which one I'm going to go with." Some of the guys said, "Man, I'm going to go with this guy cuz I really have a connection with him." Those kids are, you know, those are the guys that I try to go after.
0: So are the marketing so, deals traditionally for
3: First rounders. Uh, it could be for first rounder. It could be for a receiver or a running back. If he's the top, yeah, because they're gonna yeah. get a trading card deal. They're gonna maybe do some appearances, depending okay. upon what school they go to. They may have some autograph signings and things of that nature. So you're advancing them the money on the on that. But that's the only thing. Basically, you get back from that. And then basically, once you you know once they get drafted, they pay you back. So it takes you some time to kind of get out of that hole. That's
2: so so all right, let me let's just because this is interesting. <laughs> so how, what's the average cost for let's say a first second round draft pick.
3: First second round draft pick's probably gonna cost you an upwards of about a hundred, hundred and thirty thousand dollars to forty thousand dollars maybe Per player? Per player, depending upon so, who it is. Wow. But so, it all depends on how you do your model. So there are agencies out there now that don't only charge one percent and they have a certain they pay i hey, I'm only capping you at fifty grand. But they're also not making as much money on the contract. But they're also what they are is they're they're I'm not gonna ask they're a big agency that gets seven, eight guys every year. So they're just trying to monopolize and kind of kill the young guy, or the not young guy, but the smaller agency that doesn't necessarily have the same bankroll, if that makes
2: Big sense. Big bank take a little bit. So. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> so. But
3: the thing about it is that you're not – but I try to stress to the players, like, when that guy signs eight of you, he's going to do the same thing next year, next year, next year. Think about that. Just in three years, he's got 32 clients, and I'm sure they have a staff to be able to service you, but you're not going to be serviced by the guy that recruited you.
2: All right, so all right, so one hundred fifty thousand for let's say a top player, right, yes. from January to February. That's your that's your responsibility to pay for him, yes. right? Now, you're hoping that he gets drafted highly, right? Yes. The agent's cut is
3: three percent. The upon. If na- at this point, the NFLPA has done something where they put standardized one and a half percent for every single player, now you can negotiate up to three percent, but some guys go to one percent. Some guys charge 0% on the first deal because they know they're not going to make any money and just do a loan on the guy. And then – so, like, it's – everybody structures it differently. There's no standardized agent, this player costs X, this player costs B. And in addition to that, if a player is projected to go 10th and he goes 40th, you know, you're looking, you're looking <laughs> at the player like, man, he's losing a lot of money. That agent's like, man, I'm never going to see my so, money back. So, when y'all
0: when y'all in the green room during the like – you, obviously, you get invited to the draft if you're, you're – most likely going to be a, a first-round pick. So
3: I am in year six. This is my first year in the green room. But there are agents that have never really – I was talking to a guy yesterday who's who's been in the business 18 years. Yeah. He's never had a guy drafted a higher than 50th. I've had guys drafted 55th and 38th this past year. So, yeah. I mean, I'm still ahead of the game. But, yeah, yeah this is my first year in the green room. Yeah. And I had a client that was projected to go top 15. Yeah. And he ended up falling to 38. I mean, he fell into a great position and a great situation. But, yeah, yeah it's going to take us a little bit of time to get the money back if it's invested. In what, so well, like, what, what
0: are the emotions as you sit in that green room? Because I, I remember It is. Aaron. I'm getting uncomfortable right now. <laughs> in my chair.
3: It is the most uncomfortable. Because I think, like we were talking about before, like as an agent, people think you're all powerful or you have these relationships. Yeah, these might be my friends. But I can't. Like I know one of the GMs for, from a team in the NFC North, for say.
0: Yeah.
3: And I'm like, yo, what's going on? What's going on? My guy, you know, he's sliding. He said, man, I heard, you know, he's going to go by, by this time. He and that didn't happen. So, like, I'm texting people, but they don't know what other teams are doing because it's the 32 teams that have 32 different draft boards. Mm -hmm. So, I have talked to a number of teams that had him projected to go here. But things happen, and the trickle-down effect. So, what ended up happening this year was Cleveland Farrell, who ended up going number four to the Oakland Raiders. That was – it had a tumble effect on everyone. Because he was projected in the top five. He was projected to go top 20, 25. Yeah. So that ended up having a tumble down effect. Yeah. And then they had a couple offensive linemen that didn't go until later. Um, we really thought that Cincinnati, Atlanta, we thought that those were our hot spots. Mm-hmm. Once those things start passing, I was like, man, whew. Man, I know we talked to these teams in the 20s. Let's see what they're talking about. I'm Literally texting people from them, but it's like, they're not gonna give you any information because like they don't want you to go to another team and say, hey, listen, I know this team is gonna do this. Like, that's just is how the business works. So yeah. as an agent, you are literally your most powerless during the agent process.
2: So let me ask you this. Let's get back to the to money, of it, right? Yeah. So how do you recoup that 150000 that you just spent?
3: Over the course of the career of this player. So my client signed a four-year deal. It's <laughs> four-year, $7 million. And over the course of that, I'll make your money back, and then you'll be broken so, even. But by are you are you
2: before. adding? All right. So let's say you have a one percent fee that you're charging the client, right? Yeah. Are you adding something additional into that, or are you just taking it out of the one percent? That's so your, if you're just you tra- giving an advance.
3: If you're if you're gonna if you're gonna give one percent, if you're gonna charge one percent, you're not gonna give a major out, upfront outpouring, depending upon who the player is. And there's also like I said, one hundred fifty thousand dollars for players. It's based on players that are projected to go top twenty, twenty one. Because 21 is when the fully guaranteed contracts after that everyone's contract is a little bit deeper down to un- unguaranteed mm-hmm. So he signed a four-year seven million dollar deal with four and a half million dollars guaranteed So we'll make our money back over the next couple of years of him getting paid when he gets paid we get paid
2: So, so let, let me ask you this it's gambling. It's let, a gamble. <laughs> let me ask you this too because so this happens Reggie Bush Yeah, you pay $150,000 for, for a kid the day before the draft he changes his mind
3: that other agent or whoever hires him has to end up paying you your money back legally it, it that's how it works yes so we sign in addition to the SRA you sign a you are assigned you sign an and a standard representation agreement you also sign addendums that in, entitle you to that money if you're fired so the only way I would ever get this money back because it's an investment right like the guy um, <coughs> Leo Collins Leo Collins was supposed to be projected to go top 10 he ended up going on drafted. so Literally, there's nothing his agent can do as far as returning, getting money back. He just has to play the game until it's a point where he's going to get his second contract, and then you make your money from there. So, as an agent, you're kind of just sitting there waiting for your guy to get drafted, and based on where they get drafted is a draft slot, and that's where you determine how much money they make.
0: You, you said you said something about uh, after 21, they're not guaranteed. I was under the impression that first round picks are, are guaranteed.
3: No, the first twenty one draft picks have fully guaranteed contracts okay. for skill, yeah. cap and injury. So what that means is that they cut you for skill, like you're just not good enough. If they cut you because you're you know you're injured or whatever the case may be, or if they cut you because a you know, skill cap you know, they have your cap casualty. So as a result of hey
2: we need some cap room to pick, you know, Colin Kaepernick, right? Yeah. <laughs> of course not.
3: Yeah.
0: But yeah. Shout out to Cap.
2: So all right, let me so let's 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 keep it real. How dirty is it? How dirty? Like, can we see these movies and we see we we had these scandals. People getting paid off. Can we talk about the dirty side of it? You don't sure. got to name I, any names,
3: but I don't, I don't. I don't. I'm not. I'm not one to name any names. I'm not one. I'm going to talk to you guys just like I'm presenting to a young man who may ask me this question. At the end of the day, this is a very dirty game, and it's a situation where you're recruiting a kid, and you're trying to sign him for his first contract up to his first contract. A lot of times, you have to go back and re-recruit your clients because you have guys that are sharks that have been out the business or been in the business for a while. They've done great contracts for these guys. So hey, let me go pick a guy. Um, now it's the point where a lot of guys, what what agents are doing, what agents have done for years, is they pay current some of their current clients to go recruit for you. Hey, talk to your teammate. If he's unhappy with his agent? I'll give you something on the side. So it's it's dirty in the capacity, but it, the idea of it is, is that it's agents fighting against agents. It's they're just trying to give out the better deal. Because you got to take consideration if you sign a guy on an SRA for you know when you first sign him and you put up that upfront investment. Maybe you trying sign a guy on a second contract. He already got the money. You may not necessarily have to give him any money in order to sign him. So, I mean, it gets dirty in that
2: So, like, players out of college, right, that yes. are, aren't supposed to be able to take anything, what are some of the things that they take?
3: So what now is, is probably popular in the um, agent business is that agents have gotten smart enough to not give money to players directly. Like, when I was saying I was – investing a certain amount of money that's once they're signed in there yeah, yeah, they're exhausted yeah, yeah. All the i'm talking about like it. in college For sure, like yeah but now what bag. they're doing is is that they use financial advisors or runners in a capacity to pay these guys and it's just like hey i'll give you a loan you know or i'm going to give this guy a loan or yeah pay this guy say say you're a top player and somebody say hey i'm giving fifty thousand dollars and then once he returns once he you know get, comes out and signs with you you'll pay me back that kind of thing so it's Because those guys aren't regulated by the NFL by the NFLPA, we're regulated. So if we do get caught doing something like that, we can lose our license. We could be barred. There could be all types of things depending upon what state. Alabama will throw you in jail. Like it's could be real.
0: And that that is Alabama for the past five years has been pretty much the
3: NFL. (laughs) Oh, in a lot of ways, (laughs) the hotbed for for sure. Yeah, for sure. And but I mean, it's uh, there. But you got to also take consideration that some guys represent coaches. Mm. So I represent Nick Saban or this guy or that guy. Hey, you know that's a connection, but I mean that's good business per se. Yeah, because you have a referral process, but it's it's harding for harder for a, a young agent or an agent like myself trying to kind of, you know, develop his business in that capacity. And I mean I've, like I said, I have eight clients in the NFL currently, and I'm you know continuing to try to build that business and things of like that nature. So it's like. My mom asked me yesterday, so she's like, Well, they're out here recruiting your guys or the second contract guys or why don't you go out there? Yeah. That's really just not my like I would I would sign a guy on a second contract if it comes from a referral, but I'm not about to pay if I gotta pay you mm-hmm. in order to sign with me, I gotta pay you to keep you. Like I'm not I'm not in the business of paying players. I feel like I add I, my goal is to add value to these players' lives and yeah. to help them and help them be successful men, yeah. and t- them to realize the NFL is a business. Yeah.
0: Some things your money can't buy.
3: Exactly, and the NFL is a business, yeah. and these players are products. And once that product becomes effective, you are thrown away and shifted to the side. And these agents that are calling you right now, yeah. a lot of times you can't even get in touch with them.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you said that because um, the NFL, you know, the average con- the average career is very short. Yeah. So my thing, my question to you is: Do you have aspirations of? Going to Major League Baseball or NBA?
3: No, I, I I have a player's heart, like I was saying. I wanted to be an NFL player. So this is my best job to live vicariously with okay. my clients. Um, and, and it's a situation where I want to see, like, it's bigger than me, right? Like, I want to see young black men do well. Mm -hmm. i want to see guys not fall into the same pitfalls that other guys fall in i want to see guys that are successful at 50 years old that developed relationships while they were in the nfl and now they're using them to become big successful businesses that's what i try to preach to my guys is about you know i told people what i want to do at 14. the earlier you know what you want to do especially playing in the nfl you have the best options to go in, be successful and go you know if you're say you played for the buffalo bills or New York Giants, whatever the case may be, and you want to work in finance or you want to do this, there's not too many people that aren't gonna call you back, at least have a meeting with you. Mm-hmm. Develop those relationships, build up that resume that says something other than punt, block, or tackle, and you know you can be a successful yeah. transition. I mean the
2: NFL, like I tell people all the time, it's a head start in life. It's not for long.
3: Right. NFL.
0: Not for long. Right.
2: Not yeah. for long. So That's a fact. All right, okay. So now we're gonna go into the next segment. But before we do, I just have one one quick question. So right now you first you met your first client in the bank. But right now you're a a seasoned agent where you're meeting clients every single – you're getting new players every single year. How do you recruit players now? Like, what's your process? So
3: now I have relationships with scouts. So, like, there's the structure. So everyone knows the NFL structure from the coaching side, right? So, you know, you got your head coach, you got your assistant coaches, receiver position coaches. You also have that in a scouting community. You have the general manager, you have the assistant GM, you have director of college scouting, you have scouts that go and scour the things. What now I've been able to do is develop relationships with those scouts – and they say, hey, listen, they'll go over their area with me and say, hey, listen, this kid is good. He's going to go here. He's projected here. You know, you should go after this guy. And that's how I kind of determine who I'm going to go after.
2: And then, but how do you reach a player? Like,
3: Social media is key to success for a lot of guys. So you young. like sliding in DMs? Sliding DMs, yeah. Sliding DMs. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, sliding DMs, uh, I mean, there's reverse lookups. I mean, I've done things like you, you may have a mother on your bio, right, at the end, and it's like, hey, I can Google his mom. LinkedIn is always great. I can send an email to his mom, do things like that. Um, but I mean, it, 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 there's different ways. To nah, it's get interesting. In
2: touch reason I ask because these are things that people don't think about, right? Yeah. It's like it's, it sounds simple, like okay, but how do you? It's like how do you get in touch with a player? Yeah, you think outside the box, and you gotta realize most emails,
3: it's the same thing with the bank thing and telling people I want to be an agent. I'm, I got way more no's than I got yes. But when I was able to get a meeting, I was like, all right, cool. At least I feel good about the meeting.
2: You, you, do you show up at schools?
3: No, I'm not one to go and bombard you and things like that. Nature. That's just not who I am. Um, I don't have that like. Uh, New York mentality, for the lack of better words. I'm <laughs> yeah, not a, yeah, you're not on you know, the sideline. Nah, no, nah, I'm not really that guy that's gonna be like, yo, Clint, let me holler at you for a second. I need to do it some type of casual, and I wanna have some type of relationship with someone next to you in order to build that relationship. Like maybe I'm an uncle or do something like that. Yeah. And those are typically how my clients have come through referrals or for a, situa- and for a situation where I known someone that's connected to them. Um, or if it's like one of my scouts can be like, yo, like my guy, my guy sent me from a team, was like, you need to get on Cody Ford, and Cody Ford was a client of mine this year. Yeah. We ended up getting drafted in second round. He was like, "Man, he's going to be a really good player." And throughout the draft, like, like I was telling you, this is a very difficult time to watch your client fall through the draft. Yeah. But like even afterward, I was getting texts from scouts like, "Don't worry, he fell into a great spot. You know, he's going to he have a great career." Yeah. And it's just going to take a little bit of time, longer time, to make your money back as an agent. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as a as a you know as an independent or a smaller agency, I mean, we're a mid sized firm, but like it's a little bit different on your bottom line than it is at a. CAA or ma- some of the major agencies when they get a guy that falls those rounds that you know they already had six other draft picks that got drafted in the first round. Yeah, so y- your value.
0: Like, was, I mean, you're not as
2: important. Yeah, as the guys no, no, ahead.
3: no, for sure. And but they sign six, seven, eight guys every year. Yeah. Um. So it's up to seven.
2: All right. Cool. So now we're gonna go into the next level as far as taking the business to the next level, scaling, and different challenges that you face as as a African American agent. Um. That's what I'm gonna yeah, next hey. next <laughs> All right, so you're an agent, right? We went through the process of what it takes to be an agent. We went through the process of, you know, being an agent. But there's challenges in the agent business, like all businesses, right? So um, what are are some of the challenges that you face as a young person, as an African-American male, right? Even though the sport is driven by African-American players and we've made strides in the agent business, there's still the majority of agents are still white, right? Yeah. So it's still a flip, like even on the ownership side, yeah. on the yeah. management side, all of that stuff. Yeah. Where the players are black, but the other side of the table is majority yeah, they, white. Sure. Right?
0: So like, not, they have they put the Rooney Rule in place for the owners, but there's nothing in place for the agencies
3: sure. or general managers. Or general managers, right? Yeah. So that's or where owners. Yeah. So no, not at all. So yeah, that's it's it's there's some difficulties as far as being a black agent. I mean, like we were talking earlier. Rich Paul was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. So, LeBron and his effect, him being like you know the greatest player or you know one of the greatest players in basketball, and kind of having his team around him, being all black, I think that's helping us and changing the way people are thinking. Because like man, those black guys can do it. Why can't you know give give a guy a shot? Um, And and agents have done pretty well. And there's some black guys that have done pretty well. Like Eugene Parker was one of the most well-respected agents. He recently, a couple years ago, he passed. Uh, but I mean, there's been trailblazers in that capacity, but there are still players that want to sign with white agents because they see white general managers and they see white scouts or white di- like so. The scouting community we talked about earlier is, I would say, a good portion white. Um, so I mean, they they understand that, so they think white guys like to do business with white guys. But I mean, we've we've, we've we have some agents that are doing pretty well. Um, like I said, I've had some couple draft picks, some um, got a guy who's coming up on a major second contract, uh, James Bradberry for the Panthers. So like, I mean, we're we're gonna be okay. Um, but it's going to take some time, and it's going to take more and more guys that are of stature to hire a black agent and be in front of that black agent. You know what I'm
2: saying? So, yeah, I want to talk about that LeBron effect, if we could, just for a minute. So, LeBron, that's one of the things, we, even with, you know, Rich Paul and Maverick Carter and all of this stuff that he does with his team. How has that – I mean, you talked about it briefly, but do you feel the effect of, like, seeing a Rich Paul – if anybody's not familiar, Rich Paul is LeBron's agent. He's also uh, Anthony Davis' agent. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: He, He's on the cover of the Sports Illustrated today. Um, because they know that this is his summer. This is the most important. Yeah, he's on the he, cover. He's, the he's important important on the cover of Sports summer.
2: Illustrated because he's one of the most influential sports agents. Period, and yeah. definitely in basketball. Yeah. So to see a young, young black man, I think he's like in his early 30s. Yep. Um, do you feel that help you as far as when you go talk to clients?
3: Yeah, I think you know LeBron is well respected. So I think that you know him having a black agent helps him in the NBA side for sure. Um, the NFL side, I think. There are some black agents that have done pretty well for themselves, but I don't necessarily, if everybody has a different criteria. So, you know, you just have to find the guys that are willing to accept the fact that you're black or, you know, and, and build off your resume. Um, and, and I think that my clients see me as a young black guy. It's 32, it's still hip, and we still, you know, Hip, <laughs> please, God. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> needless to say, it still understands the hip-hop generation, yeah. understands, like, I'm still, we still listen to the same music. You know, I'm you know, trying to get out of this uh, rat race of going after girl after girl, trying to, you know, take my thing to the next level. <laughs> um, you know, and, I, and, and it's a mentorship in that capacity, but it, I'm still out there. Like, I still understand what's going on with them. So, yeah, we can relate on a more personal level. Um, but a lot of times, the biggest thing is like, hey, what's your you know criteria? What's what criteria do you do have set for the type of agent that you want to sign?
0: It, you know, LeBron is obviously an icon. Um, I think he's one of the greatest businessmen that we uh, we've ever seen. I think he um, probably is the greatest. The greatest. I, I, I like Magic and him and. So I don't a,
3: know that. So I heard something about LeBron. If he does a deal, he won't do a deal without taking equity in the company. And I think we all know yeah. how important equity in a company me in is. me equity? Yeah, for sure. So
0: so like. Obviously, he plays in the NBA, so it's a lot more easy. It's easier to market him because you can see him. For sure. NFL tougher. Right? No So question. It, It's tough. But do you see a player out there now that potentially could have that type of LeBron effect where it's like, you know what? I'm going to give the 15% to the people I came up with. Uh, whether, is it like a Cam Newton or, or maybe an Antonio Brown or somebody of that level? So
3: there's, a, there's an agent um, that assigned two black quarterbacks back to or over just over their black to back years. Deshaun Watson and Dwayne Haskins both have black quarterbacks. So it's going to have to be from the quarterback side. We okay. have to get to the quarterback. They because they get the, the biggest contract. They have the biggest contract. And they have the most face time. Mm-hmm. So what, about, just, what about bar
2: receivers? Like Odell Beckham.
3: Odell Beckham has... No, he's not black. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, everybody has His a His agent. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's like, wait, yes, sorry. Yes, sorry. Yes, <laughs> sorry. No. Yeah, yeah. His agent's not black. Jarvis Landry had a black agent, so has a black agent. So, I mean, there's a number of guys that definitely have – like, there are more guys out there that have black agents. Well, like, from
2: a from – because a, we were talking about this off camera where the NFL is different from the NBA because you know the average NBA player, right? Yeah. Like, even if you don't know sports, you have nothing to do with sports at all. Odds are, unless they're, like, a point guard like Cal Lowry, yeah. we're not even going to talk about what happened. <laughs> He got black, right? Man. I just knew he. I
3: just knew he just <laughs> janked. The thing about it, I knew it was hard to shoot behind the backboard. So I was just like. Long, who else could do it yeah. but Kyle Lowry? <laughs> shout, shout out, out to, shout to, to, to Kyle Lowry. Shout out to, like, to shout
2: Toronto. No, to, nah, I mean, I <laughs> think yeah. we, we were talking about it. No, 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 no. Shout out to Toronto. No,
3: no, no. They clapped when uh, Katie got hurt. I don't like that.
2: No, no, no. Yeah, that, you know, it's always going to be a bad apple out there. Yeah, day, but, yeah. You know, it was we, about a bunch of them. They, I heard them claps here yeah. in New York. Yeah, It was unfortunate. It was unfortunate. No, it was unfortunate. But we've seen Drake um almost crying, so. Yeah, no. We took it hard. I'm ready for that good Drake album. So, all right. So, NBA players, easy to spot. Right, Because they're tall, they're lanky, they look like they're different from every other person. NFL players, not so much, right? Mm -hmm. So you have 90% of the NFL, nobody knows who they are. Yes, They could just walk down Times Square and and not get recognized at all. Mm -hmm. It kind of leads to a couple of problems, right? A, marketing. It's hard to market an NFL player because you don't know who he is. Absolutely. Unless he's Tom Brady or Odell Beckham or something like that. Absolutely. I think also B, it leads to a lot of unnecessary spending. Like yes. you said, like a lot of these guys you see in the clubs, and they order hundred bottles because now they're trying to draw attention on themselves. For sure. Where the NBA player, they might do it, they might not, but they don't. They're seven feet tall. They already yeah. know who they are. Absolutely, for sure. And then also, just from a failed standpoint of like doing, like you see, especially wide receivers, you see them doing like a lot of antics, right? Yeah. I feel like that's kind of like they need to have attention, right? Okay. What's your thoughts on that?
3: So I think one in three are tied in together when it comes to receivers. So I have a cornerback who's probably one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL, I would say. What's his name? His name is James Bradbury. He plays yeah. for the Panthers. Yep. He recruit. He, I mean, he literally guarded all the top guys. I mean, you got to take consideration. He three times, or six times, year. between six times, he tried Mike, Mike Evans, Julio Jones, Mike Thomas, and does a really good job of all of them. Oh, um, and and so. everyone talks about this game against Julio where Julio did the 224 yards. He got hurt within the second drive in that game. So that's why Julio went off. But needless to say, he is a calm, downside. Like He's not like me, 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 me. He's the opposite of Jalen Ramsey. And I respect Jalen Ramsey for what he's done because that's how a lot of guys have shown marketing. They want to show themselves. And that's why receivers, Chad Ochoacinco, he did something today where he said he never spent any money of his NFL money. He's only spent marketing dollars. But the idea of it is, is that he had to put himself on in order to get those marketing dollars. Um, so did he become a character? A lot of people will say that. But the idea of it is that he knew what he was doing and he was trying to you know build out his marketing side. Yeah. He had a plan. Um, so with most NFL players, I was listening to a stat by the NFLPA, 97% of marketing dollars Go to the top three percent of the NFL. The NFL we all know: the Odell Beckham's, the Tom Brady's, the Patrick Mahomes, the you know DeAndre Hopkins, like AJ Green, and not even so much like AJ Green because yeah, he's like, in Cincinnati, yeah, but like Julio Jones, yeah. like Mike yeah. Thomas, Mike Evans, like all the guys I'm talking about. But the thing about it is, is that they play; they, they're the top three percent. So the rest of the NFL is fighting over these last little three percent. So there's a lot of social media deals and things of that nature. So there's ways to make money from a marketing standpoint, but. A lot of times what they've seen is is that success comes with me, 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 me. And that's what the blueprint has been for guys to be successful marketing-wise. Deion Sanders, I love him to death, but he was definitely – but Deion Sanders had a plan. Like he knew the biggest things with those guys that say me, me, me. Like Richard Sherman. I remember having a business – my business partner, we were having a conversation – after that game against Michael Crabtree, when mm-hmm. he yelled at him, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Man," I was like, "He was like that's the worst thing he could do." It's the worst thing, positive things, Brand. I was like, "No, Richard Sherman just became a star," and Richard Sherman went straight off because he was in the camera. It was something to talk about. It was a ma- major game, so everyone what, was is talking that he, about that. Is
0: that is that who stole
3: his gold chain? No. no, Mike, no Michael, yeah. that was uh, Akeem Tlaib. That was cool. oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, they got a serious Akeem Tlaib is another one who's a great cornerback. He doesn't yeah. get a whole lot of marketing, the, but the idea of it is, is that he's a quiet, kind of cool. Like, he just does his own thing. So, yeah. that's, but that's, it's, it's a me, me, me type. It's
2: like thing. the Mayweather philosophy. Exactly, exactly. Controversy sells, shock uh, value sells. For sure. And you could be a great player, but if you don't really open your mouth, yeah. nobody cares.
3: Absolutely. No one really cares about you unless you're out here doing that. But. By the same token, if you do it, you have got to be able to back it up. Because yeah. if Richard Sherman wasn't built the right way, and he wasn't about to have a great career, and he also didn't have like the foundation off the side of the like off the field and doing all the, all the other stuff he was doing, yeah. he knew like okay, cool, I'm I'm confident in myself at this point. Yeah. And then he was like, all right, cool. He, but if you jump out there too early, and like, oh man, that's not going to work out well for you. Mm-hmm. So you just got to be confident in your abilities. But cornerbacks and receivers. Are typically the most confident individuals in the in the room. Yeah, for sure. And
0: like you said, I think you used the term. Uh, the rest of the guys, they have helmet children syndrome. Yes,
3: <laughs> absolutely. So yeah, we were talking about the clubs and things yeah. like that. Like with the NFL, they want, you know, we all want to attract pretty women. And we want to be seen. Yeah. So a lot of times, what the you'll find that NFL players, or the baseball players, or anybody else, has the biggest chain and the most bottles. They spend the most money in the clubs because it's a situation where no one knows who they are. So it's like. Oh, what's, we got so and so tonight. Like, it's like you know, I, like they want the 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 DJ be like, oh, someone's buying all them bottles, and people look, and it's like <laughs> the, that guy. But the idea of it is that it doesn't really make sense, and I try to get my clients away from it, and you know, I try to put on seminars and stuff like that to yeah. help them to realize like, you know, you're adequate without having to do all that, and that's fun at times. Yeah. But the question is, is that how do you balance that? And if you're doing that every single night, then there's a problem. So, how yeah. do
2: you feel? Ever feel pressure? Your clients are rich, they're millionaires, right? No. That's where you get it wrong.
3: My clients make um, wins about a million dollars. However, not all my clients make millions of dollars. So some guys, and that's another thing that Brandon was talking about that's hard, and I really empathize with players. They have the hardest locker room from a worker's experience because I'm 22, right? I could be undrafted free agent. I could be a baller. You could be the first-round pick. You're 22. You make hella money. But at the same time, they're competing on and off the field. So if he goes and buys a new building, I got a good like. That's the issue, is that everyone thinks that they're millionaires because they play in the locker room there's a bunch of guys that are millionaires. But on a 53-man roster, I think it's average from 17 to 18 – or 18 to 15 guys are millionaires, like guys making millions of dollars. Other guys are mostly on rookie deals or kind of the revolving door of the last 10. So
2: out of 52 players, only 17 of them. 53,
3: and it's depending upon the team. Some teams have more, but, I mean, I think I was told that 17 to 18 guys are – you know, and making millions of dollars. No, on right. major second contracts. And, and it depends what, what oh, team, let's, right? Let's go, yeah. let's, let's, let's go back team. to that.
2: That's interesting. So out of 52 players, 53, 73 53 players, Sorry, sure. 17, let's say roughly, have million-dollar contracts and in, in above.
3: Yes are making millions of dollars. So, like, your stars. So, your so the
2: vast majority of NFL players aren't making millions of no, dollars. No, they're
3: making a couple hundred thousand dollars. Or if they're making a million dollars, they're making just uh, just under a million or a million dollars. It all depends on – every team is a little differently. And, this is and, then, and then their
2: careers is very short. Careers are very
3: short. And, most and it's not guaranteed guys, contracts. Nope. Most guys don't get to second contracts. The average career is three to four years, mm-hmm. um, depending upon what position you play. Exactly. Um, quarterbacks typically stay a little longer. The receivers, some guys, stay a little longer. But you literally could go from, like – I mean, not to call somebody out, like Corey Coleman. Corey Coleman was a first-round draft pick a couple years ago for the Browns. I think he's on his third or fourth team now, and he's trying to make a roster. And he's a situation where he's a receiver for the New York Giants. But everyone knows Sterling Shepard and this guy. You know what I'm saying? So, And the crazy part is that Sterling Shepard and Corey Coleman both came out the same year. So, Corey Coleman was the first-round draft pick. Sterling was the second-round draft pick. Now, Sterling's making way more money than Corey. Mm-hmm. But Corey got more upfront money. But he thought he was – and you have to live up to those expectations. So, being an NFL player is a gift and a curse because everyone around you thinks you're making so much money. Yeah. So when you go back home, you like feel like you got a stunt for your family, and you know you got cash app requests. Yeah, and that, that, that's
0: seventeen <laughs> out of fifty three. Is um, yeah. It's, I, I never thought of it like that. And I guess depending on the financial structure of the, the team, it, would, yeah. it could be less, right? Because sure. when, when you said that, I'm thinking about a team like the Patriots, who. Um, are very, very stringent with their finances, right? For sure. Right? Tom Brady probably is the best player in the NFL, maybe in NFL history, but he's never been the highest paid player.
3: No, but they say that Tom Brady gets a lot of off-the-field marketing dollars, and he puts them, like, they... But that's
0: due to his performance, Yeah, of course, right? and so Robert like
3: Kraft cuts him in on deals. Like, he, know, he's getting his money, but it's a situation that doesn't actually come from So, so
0: under-the-table equity. Not necessarily
3: under-the-table, but it's a situation where Jerry Jones takes care of a lot of his players. Like, some of his former players is cut in on business deals. It's okay. like, hey, I'll help you out with this. Like, some owners are really, really good from an owner's perspective, from helping these guys. And I think a lot of them, I think majority of them, are that that way for their stars. Mm-hmm. But not everybody's going to be a star. Right. And if you're a star too early, say you're a star your second year, and then like you tear your Achilles your third year, or you know, what I'm saying, or you're not the same player two years later. Yeah. You can literally go from being, you know, that's why it's like, you got to stay humble and yeah. stay focused. And when you get that big contract, that's fine. But now you got to be able to put it away, and and then you got. These numbers that get blasted out, and a lot of times they're coming from my agents that want to say, hey, yo, I got this guy that's big deals. But when you come back and see the real deal, the numbers, they're not nearly as high. Um, it may be, hey, I can get him this all with escalator, but he's got to do X, Y, Z in order to get this number. So but everyone comes and looks at you, and you become the target. So it's like, man, I'd love to be a guy that can make $20 million and sit in the corner and nobody know me. Yeah,
0: we got we, we have to get you a quarterback. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah for sure. We, we got to get you a quarterback because I, I, this week, uh, Carson Wentz, when you said that if you have a great second year and maybe you get hurt and you get third. Carson Wentz, now, granted, he I think he's going to be a phenomenal player, but his team did win a Super Bowl without him. He just signed an extension for $140 million.
3: Because this is a quarterback-driven league. You right. need a quarterback. If you don't have a quarterback, your season's like, uh, we're going to continue to do what we have to do. Kyler Murray literally was like, dang, they had Josh Rosen for a year. They drafted Kyler Murray this year because yeah. it was like, Hey listen, we need to do this. We brought in his coach. He runs his offense better. So, it's still a quarterback driven league. Everything every everyone knows like that the quarterback is the key to a successful year in, in, in most teams. Well, the Baltimore right. Ravens, you know, they had Trent Duff when they won <laughs> They also had one of the best defenses of, the all and, of all time. Of all time. Like the Bears that year they went. They they had um, Rex Grossman. Oh, I thought 85. You know, oh, yeah, 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 for yeah, sure. Jimmy but Rex I'm talking about the, the, the other Bears. When the they Bears, lost to the Colts. The, yeah, when we yeah, Lovey yeah. and all that kind of stuff. I'm yeah. trying to think about teams with you know no Back quarterbacks forward. being their stars but yeah typically like that yeah like i said 18 guys um or so but those numbers change depending upon teams some guys may have 22 some guys may have 23 mm-hmm. um, but not all 53 guys are making a million dollars they don't have enough money for in the salary cap but well, i mean they do but it does it's not it's a structured based on
0: so in in the uh, nba i know um, the collective bargaining it's 50% of the revenue yeah. needs to be spent on the player salary yeah, it's what,
3: not 50-50 now at this point. So what, what is the NFL's? They're, I think they're at 45%, and I think the the lead team is at 50, 55%, if I'm not mistaken. They're in the process of redoing this, this new and CBA. That,
2: yeah, because they, they're saying that they might have a lockout. So, I, so that's
3: one thing that I think that I don't know what's going to happen because the NFL, like that lockout was ugly, and I think everybody took their lumps from that, like even though they say the team, the league won it and all that kind of stuff, but by the same token, what the issue was with that lockout was it just wasn't good for TV contracts. So now the NFL is coming up on all these TV contracts, and they got to renew these things. And they're like, "Man, if you can't do that, then I need I need you guys to have be under CBA before we do this deal again." So I think the NFL is pressured to give the players a better deal yeah. because they're going to make a better deal in the back
0: end. With the yeah, team, the, with the, the NBA did the 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 deal with TNT. Um, and ESPN what was twenty four billion. Yeah, but the N- NFL's gonna. But
3: you got to realize the NFL is still king. I think. Uh, yeah, yeah,
0: that's what I'm saying. I'm thinking like if that's twenty four billion, the NFL. Is so
2: the NFL, it's interesting because the NFL is the most profitable league. Yeah. In professional sports, but out of the three major sports in America, the players get paid the least.
3: Yep, but the players also get hurt the most. But by the same token, it's a situation where co- players' contracts need to be shorter. It need to be three year. Guaranteed contracts because that's really what you get when you get a big deal like that. Mm-hmm. So, everyone looks at like, hey, I look at guaranteed money and what you're getting your first three year payout because that's really what is what you really have a good, great chance of making. So, like, if you're bumming your first, like, say, say, we take a guy who signs a major contract and he's first year, he doesn't play as much well, second year, he's just terrible. The third year like, all right, man, we pay this guy 24 you know, $25 million. Let's give him another chance. After that third year, they're willing to kind of watch. So, they need to do more structured, fully guaranteed three year contracts. But Kirk Cousins did that.
0: Yeah, when you just said that, I'm thinking, like, that sounds like Jameis Winston.
3: <sighs> yeah, but, I mean, I, I don't like to say anything <laughs> bad about players. And no, I, know him I
0: mean, like, because he's in a position where, like, this guy's still young. Yeah, he's the Heisman Trophy winner. He's a number one overall pick. And he's a quarterback. And he's a quarterback. And it's like, what do we do? Because we watched <laughs> Fitzpatrick come in and light it up. Yeah. And now it's like, wait, should we even start this guy now? Yeah, you know but, what I mean? So they got some decisions to make.
3: And now Vince is down in Miami with Josh Rosen. Yeah. About to rain on his parade, potentially. yeah. yeah, yeah. So, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out. But needless to say, it's going to be – I don't think the CBA is going to be – I hope I'm, – I'm, I am I'm. think that they're making progress. And from what I hear from the agent community is that, you know, we probably will have a CBA before. It won't be the lockouts because that's another thing. Guys were taking
2: lockout loans. Yeah, I was going to say before. So, um, <laughs> Dame Dash's cousin – forgot his name. But um, Vince Young had sued him. You know, you know about this? I heard
3: – I think I heard someone so, about so yeah, it. So,
2: yeah, so Vince – all right, so Dame Dash's cousin, he was a financier, some something to do in, in, in finance, right? And he started a business during the last NFL lockout where he was loaning guys money. Mm-hmm. But he was loaning them money at, like, crazy interest. 50% interest, 45% crazy interest, right? So Vince Young ends up suing him. And long story short, like, it all came into the media why he took the loan. He took a loan of, like, $300,000 to pay for his birthday party priorities, right? <laughs> Um, but it's just disturbing that a number one draft pick would have to take a loan. That means you're living paycheck to paycheck. And this is why I say all the time, it's not how much you make, it's how much you keep. Athletes live paycheck to paycheck all the time. It's just that their paychecks might be $50,000. And
3: by the same token, they're getting paid over the course of four months. So they got to really stretch that throughout the rest. Of, they got to be more budget conscious. Than even teachers or, like, you know, teachers get paid over nine months potentially, and they have that 3 months law or whatever. They have that four months. And other than, like, OTAs they're making come and now they have the player performance, which they get a piece of that. But for the most part, that their 98% of their income is going to come from that base salary. During the season. During the season. And it's going to add over 17 weeks. you got to yeah. pay taxes. So you're living like a king when you're in season. There's a lot of broke NFL players that played last season right now, I'm sure, because wow. it's just – but it's – It's things like you said. Like, it's the financial education is not taught in the school. It's not taught, you know, when you get, it's tried, they try to teach you when you get to the NFL. But at that point in time, these guys have to literally sit back and look at men and say, listen, I may not live, I may, I'm going to live a lot longer than I play football. And I try to tell my guys all the time, like, you could live like a king for a couple years while you're in the NFL, or you could live like a prince for the rest of your life. I mean, there's a lot of different things you can do to save your money. Like, I mean, you've always talked about, you know, in real estate, and that's really you know where a lot of guys can go back and invest into their college towns and stuff like that. Those are the kind of things that you really want to start to get your money to work for you, because right now all you're doing is basically bringing all these checks in and spending. And and some guys are scared to you know do investments or some things like that, but just get a regular savings account and live off. Like I always tell the guys, like, hey, listen, you're in a you're in an NFL city. Look at the average income. Live above the average, and you live a good life. Like. And a lot of the stuff during the season is paid for, and like, but they do have some. I mean, some other expenses, like you know, if they get cut, they have to transport their car. Like, so they have some other outside expenses. And mm-hmm. in addition to that, they sign leases, and you know, they try to sign leases that you know will let you out if you get cut. Or mm-hmm. and the teams try to do a lot, um, but they can always do more. But by the same token, at this point in time, it's starting. You know, you can't blame that person, blame this person. You got to take an incentive to say, man, I want to be successful. I want to have money when I leave the NFL. I don't want this to be. The highlight of my life. I want this to be a stepping stone to something greater.
2: Uh, nah, man, that's powerful. Chris, man, we want to thank you for coming. on. Oh, before before we wrap this up, I want to say how this actually came about because yes. I think it's important for people to understand sure. like, the power of networking. So Chris and I actually just got introduced yes. four hours ago, probably. Good morning. <laughs> so yeah, so um, another gentleman, Alan, shout out to Alan. He, um, he follows us yes. on Instagram and follows the podcast. And he was saying, like, you know, I got a guy that I think that would be good for you to meet. I know a financial advisor, he's a, um, an agent. So I'm like, all right, cool, let's connect. So he texts, he put us in a group chat text at today. Two o'clock. <laughs> yeah, <at> two o'clock. <laughs> at two o'clock it's like eight o'clock right now. And he was like, you know, um, you guys should meet. So Chris has an event this weekend, yes. he invited me to, and he's like, let's talk tonight, um, like eight o'clock if that's cool. So I'm like, yeah, we could talk, but we actually are filming the podcast in Midtown Manhattan. And Chris is, is uptown in Harlem. So I'm like, if you want to come by just to vibe out with us, and we could talk right after the podcast. So he's like, all right, cool. So we're supposed to interview somebody. And long story short, the person that we was supposed to interview, he had to cancel. We had a family emergency. So he had to cancel, like, at the last minute. So Chris was already on his way. So I called him, like, look, we're already down here. Um, do you want to interview? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I think it'll fit. You're a sports agent. Sure. We talk about sports all the time. So do you want to do you want to interview it he's like yeah why not so i say that to say first of all earning leisure is based on a true story like it's really this is really like real life right like it's like real life stories but also it's just the power of you never know like you never know like that's a random story but it's happened. like we Mm -hmm. just literally just connected a couple hours ago and now he's on the podcast so You, this, it wasn't planned, right? But the thing about it is, A, you have to always be ready. For sure. Because you were ready to give yeah. an interview. Like, you know <laughs> yeah. what I
3: mean? Yeah, I mean, my girlfriend was like, you talk all the time. <laughs> you fine.
2: You got to always be ready. And um, you just always got to network and meet people. Because he could have just not even answered that text message. Yeah. And then he would have never been on the podcast. Yeah, so. yeah for sure. And, yeah,
3: and listen, with the client, which I'll be having up here, I'm like, am I qualified to be on this podcast? <laughs> the last guy I was for facing, sure, man. man, he went to Harvard and yeah. worked for Diddy for 30 nah, years. But that's, like, the, but that's the good thing I'm about the hoping. podcast,
2: too, is that it's a broad range of people, for sure. from young yeah. people to old people, from sports to music to banking to investments to real estate. Because we want to cover every aspect of finance. And we want to talk to every every people, too. But, like, I was telling, um, actually, Alan, when I spoke to him on the phone, that for a guy... Like last week, our guest last week, right? When he actually, Derek Ferguson, when he told us that he learned from our podcast, and this is a guy that went to Harvard, Warden, he's Diddy's right hand man, he ran Revolt, all of this stuff. That's crazy. But people like him listen to the podcast. Then we got people that just came home from jail that listen to the podcast, right? Yeah, all and it's really for all, all of us and everywhere yeah, in between. Abso- absolutely. So it's like, it's, it's dope to see that our message is touching yeah. so many people. And um, yeah, that's why we try to have as many different kind of guests that can relate to different type of people because, you know, we're not just talking to one group of people. We're talking to everybody. Yeah, For sure. yeah.
0: I, I think Fernando was saying that to us as well. Shout out to Fernando on Lord of the Slums. He was just like, you know what? The, the beauty of it is that it's like alphabet soup. Like, yeah. whatever topic you want, like, we're pretty much covering that based on finance. And everybody, the reception has been just, like, incredible. So, like, when he's saying, like, literally people coming home from jail and listening, and that's, a, like, we've seen those messages. So, like... Shout out to everybody who, who's been uh, sending messages and DM'ing, because we see them and they're uplifting. Like, it keeps us going. Like, there's a reason that, you know, Shottie's up at 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning, and I'm up at 5.30 in the morning, because, like, we know how important this message that we're delivering is. So, thank you to everybody, for real.
3: No, absolutely. And I'm, I'm – thank you for coming on. Uh, I literally had intention on inviting you. I'm going to do something for my players this weekend in D.C. It's the last week of OTAs. We're going to come to D.C. The NFL is there. Um, I always want to introduce them to businessmen and things of that nature. So on Saturday, we're doing a seminar for a couple hours before we go to the baseball game. Um, And basically, it's having professionals. It's a guy from real estate, a mortgage company, um, accounting, taxes. Um, I want my clients to be educated. I think that's the thing. And I think that's what's so powerful about this podcast is – guys say yes like last week he was like man i learned something from your podcast that's crazy thinking about what he does however just because you do something in a certain segmentation doesn't mean you know everything about this yeah, so it's it's so diverse and you're having so many different people on so i would be honored if you guys would come down and come and hang out with us and you know talk to some of my clients because i think you know the biggest thing is that with especially with these guys is that you know finances becomes this you know whitewash term and, and talking to them and understanding them and understanding you know what I'm saying what we're going through as young black men growing up in America it's like man I understand like you you know what I'm saying like we talk about the, the going out and stuff like that I get that like you know it's the question is how much do you need to do it and that kind of stuff so the biggest thing with me is, is that look for guys that look like me that can relate to me that could be beneficial like I want them to come on I want you guys to come in on and say hey listen and they'll watch your podcast I think that they'll learn something and, and everybody will get better yeah. and I think that's where you benefit and that's where you grow yeah. and that's where that as, spaces.
2: Right. As my man Matt says, collaboration is better than competition. So, yes, that's important. You Absolutely. know, we need to do that more, and I think we're starting to do that more. But, you know, it's 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 more beneficial to have allies and enemies. Absolutely. So yeah, we we could we could work with each other and and help each other right. and, and help society. So, um, do you have any initiatives? How can the people reach you? Social media? What's your information?
3: Um, my Instagram, I guess, is C underscore Coy. My um, company's name is Paramount Sports Entertainment. We have offices in Charlotte, Norfolk, and now in New York where I'm at. Um, But yes, uh, underscore, C-C-O-Y underscore. My Twitter is Chris underscore Coy. Um, I always respond to people. So if you have any questions about the sports side, or want to get into the agent business, Want to? I know I kind of talk fast sometimes, so if you want me to reiterate some of the things we talked about today, or if you want to just ask a question, or listen, if you have a new cousin that's going to be a top player, you want a good agent, we gotta give come holler at me. <laughs> nah, man, look, yeah, turn, I'm going to get some quarterbacks, but I got to get some cornerbacks and all yeah, that stuff.
0: Turn your notifications on, man. They will they will definitely, definitely. be in your DM. That's fine. Cause and, and it's, I, it's dope, because like a lot of young black men, they aspire to be athletes or rappers, yeah. um, but they don't know like this is part of the business, too, so like. For sure, there's going to be a lot of questions, I'm sure, coming your way.
3: For sure. I think that's what you look for as a young man, right? You look for someone you can look up to. Yeah. And with social media, like I always talk about the negative things and people potentially having low self-esteem, watching night – ten percent of someone's life on social media and comparing it to the hundred percent of their lives. Yeah. Like people do that all the time. And but also it's connecting. It's like, man, this black dude's doing this. I could do that. Man, yeah. he, he came from a similar I was raised by you know what I'm saying I was raised by a single mother. My yeah. dad was out there in the streets. Like I literally was raised by a single mom and a great stepfather at some point in time in my life. But it's literally a story that could be inspirational. Yeah. And and I you know, you watch things and everybody everyone when you meet successful people, they talk to you about their come up and that kind of stuff. And that that's always what people want to talk about. Yeah. Is how they came and you know when you get to that point it's just like requires you to reach back and teach one and I respect what you guys are doing with the young people, and yeah, I would love to come it, to talk to them. And oh, that would be them. great. Yeah, yeah that's sure. why I
0: said we, we say that too to the kids. Like, when they see it, they can aspire to be it. For sure. So, like, when they see somebody like you in your field, like, they definitely believe that, yo, I can do this. You Absolutely. Like, yeah, yeah come, he's doing it.
2: Come beat me. Come beat me. Come be my competition. Yeah. Come join me. Yeah. <laughs> let's work together.
0: Yeah, exactly. Sure. Let's
2: dominate this thing. For sure, man. Let's do it. All right. So, Troy, some housekeeping items before we wrap up. Yeah. We got the merch on assets over liabilities. Access mm.
0: over liabilities. Um, you know, that's our most popular shirt. But we got new merch up on the website, um, Um, so check that out. We got uh, you know, some coffee mugs, we got some phone cases. Uh so yeah, check that out, support that. We got our Patreon um at patreon.com backslash leisure, where we you know we put out extra content. And we get to have some real conversations with some of our, our followers, and man. And the unedited versions. And unedited edited versions of, of our episodes. Th- that's important not to cut you off, but yeah. that's
2: important. The, the versions that you hear on iTunes and YouTube are edited, obviously, because oh we, we take some parts out, right? We try to keep it under like an hour, but the unedited version is only on Patreon. Only on Patreon, for
0: yeah. sure. Gotcha. Um, and we had some, some real like powerful conversations the other day. Um, one of our, our patrons, um, Shiana. Uh, 21 years old, was telling us um, how she listened to the podcast. She's tw- 21, and her and her mom went and got life insurance because what they heard us saying. And we were just like, That's powerful. Oh my gosh, like, wow, like the power of just telling a story. Like, I told the story when, you know, when I was 26 with shot was like, Yo, you should get life insurance. And I'm like, I'll just get it because you're my guy. Yeah. Like, I want to support you. But um, they heard that story and was like, It's important. And, and, you know, some of our posts that we put up are very intentional so that people are aware of those things. So, shout out to Shiana. And some of our, our new patrons, uh, we have Vicky, Charles, Tony, and, and Junior, and some of our old ones that you know we stay in contact with. Cody, obviously, is one of our biggest supporters. Um, so shout out to them. We're gonna be, keep doing, um, you know, putting that unlimited unlimited content out. And um, if you if you want if you want to support Patreon, feel free. It's, it's no force. Um, it's totally by choice, um, but it helps us do things like this. So like the studio, obviously, the background is different because we're able to move the studio. Um, and we're able to travel to different places because of that. So thank you for your support. Continue to support. We're gonna continue to give for free. All right. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. And oh yeah, also the merch is up, and also um, our book tip. Oh, YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, like and subscribe. Leave a comment. YouTube is very important to us. As I said, we actually we put bonus content on YouTube as well, and we're gonna we have more different type of stuff that's unrelated to the podcast, but still in along the lines of what we do. Um, how-to videos and things of that nature so subscribe to our YouTube channel and We are so we did the we did the event. I'm gonna say it right now We did the event in Brooklyn and that was a huge success So we're traveling we are taking this show on the road network event meeting and greet. I think I think next stop is Atlanta
0: mm-hmm.
2: We're gonna do something big in Atlanta. Atlanta's gonna be silly We're gonna do something big in Atlanta. We're <laughs> gonna do something big in DMV too. Shout out to DMV. yeah, yeah. Toronto, Canada; Houston, Texas. We gon' we, we we got a few stops to make. So um yeah. So thank you for your support, and feel free to, to email us, DM us any opportunities in your city colleges. We we um we like the college thing. We gonna go yeah. a couple colleges this this fall. In the so fall, that yeah, we got, yeah, we
0: got yeah we got we got some stuff in the works where we, we're gonna be. On some camp, some campuses, uh, sure. with our UIL e- 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 y- e- tour. Yeah,
3: yeah no, yeah. I think that this should be great on a yeah, college campuses, yeah, yeah. and I think it'll be a good opening for like what Brandon was trying to talk about about creating a class for yeah. people that want to get into. Finance. Yeah, so like so I, this I, uh, is kind of like a great like puffer in between.
0: When we, we spoke, he, he was like, "I'm like, yo, I'm doing it at the elementary level and the middle school level, and he's doing it at the college level." So we're gonna start. You're gonna see a lot more collaborative stuff yeah. between us and our guests.
2: Yeah, for sure, that's a fact, and. Um, yeah, so my book tip of the week is Ted Turner's biography. Ted Turner, if anybody's not familiar, um, brilliant businessman. He started TNT, CBS, Turner Sports, mm-hmm. he owned the Atlanta Braves. CNN. CNN. He owned the Falcons too, right? He owned the no, Atlanta. No, no,
0: didn't uh, he no. he <laughs> owns Atlanta. No, um, <laughs> He doesn't own um, the, the Falcons, I believe. You uh, know, Arthur Blank. I'm just saying in Arthur terms Blank. of Atlanta, the city. Oh, yeah, now he owns it. Yeah, yeah. He's, no, no, a, that yeah. Whole He's the unofficial I, mayor I, I lived of there Atlanta.
3: for a year. It was a lot going <laughs> yeah, on. I him all on. over yeah, the
2: place yeah. in Atlanta. But um, for sure. it's a good book. It's actually a good book. It talks about his life story, the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur, how he almost went broke like a bunch of different times.
3: Oh, man, I need to read that. I need that inspiration. Because yeah, <laughs> so. those are the things that really keep you going.
2: Yeah, exactly. Me, personally, I like to read biographies a lot because I like to hear other people, like firsthand experience of like how did they do it because it's not always you know peaches and it's never that like no. it, you know it's, it's always stuff that you would never expect like oh damn he almost went broke he's on his third marriage like it's all kinds yeah. of stuff that's forks in the road but it keeps you motivated because it's never going to be just you know perfect every single day no
3: nah. and if it is you wouldn't appreciate it yeah. so like why would you want you want it to be like you're gonna embrace that
2: Sunny days wouldn't be special if it wasn't for rain. This right? is true. That's yeah. why so I can't
3: move to Southern California. they In the but words, in the words of
2: C- Curtis Jackson. Tony <laughs> So, yes, thank you for rocking with us. Um, episode 22 in the books. We will see you next week. Peace, peace, that peace. peace. episode. <laughs> thank
0: you, man. Nah, appreciate it, bro. Thank you. Oh, welcome thank to you. Alumni.
2: You're, part, you're hey, now Alumni. You. I now I got to go buy a T-shirt. Yeah, I, I put the Brooklyn thing just out there. I put the energy yeah, out yeah. there. So we got